Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. back on the believe in the jets podcast i'm your host andrew golden of jetsxfactor.com and as always i got former jet running back lamont jordan here with me lamont the jets are coming off an astounding 31 to 10 win over the chicago bears mike white miguel blanco as some are known to call him went off had over 300 yards and three touchdowns the first quarterback since kurt warner to have multiple games with over 303 touchdowns and within his first four starts the Jets got back on track and after a week of confusion and anger and locker room questions and benching a quarterback and, and all the other turmoil that comes when you lose to a division rival in the way that they did, they were able to set their sights on a win. They were able to reset their focus. Mike white was able to calm the offense, get things back on schedule. They were effective pretty much from start to finish. And there's nothing really you could complain about in a game where the bears were already a lesser talented team the Jets were the better team to start with and the Bears were even more injured as the game went on than they were to start the game. This is a game the Jets should have won by multiple scores and they did. And I think that's really important. So before we get in to start with this game, as always, we got to thank our friends over at betonline.ag as of course, where the game starts bet online. Basketball season is back. I know you're excited, just like me, Lamont. We got college basketball getting started. NBA season is kicking off as well. Bet online, as always, the best place for any betting needs that you guys have for whatever sport, not just basketball, NFL, NBA, NHL, tennis, boxing, whatever. And of course, head on over to betonline.ag. Use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE. Bet online, where the game starts. Lamont, let's start with this game where we have to start, and that's Mike White and the offense. And I think it's important to say Mike White and the offense, because as good as Mike White was, and I think he was very good, quite honestly, at times, the whole offense had an improved day. And I think the offensive line had their best game in weeks. They saw the running backs, especially some new faces and some old faces getting new opportunities and Bam Knight and Ty Johnson really take off. Garrett Wilson had a big game. We saw Elijah Moore have a couple of explosive plays for the first time this season, really you know, this was a, an overall offensive revival, I, I to be completely honest. And it's it really starts, is Mike White the catalyst? I think that's the question. Are we going to sit here and say, is this all because of Mike White or was this an improvement as a whole? And Mike White was really the the benefit, benefactor that kept everything going. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that it was majority Mike White um, in this one area, one area. And I will have to watch the all 22 just to see, you know, be able to see the spacing. Uh, but the one thing I will say is obviously uh, LaFleur did a good job of calling the game because there were multiple times the guys were just wide the heck open. For me, it started, and I have my first note down here, uh, White's footwork in the pocket. Absolutely. Me, that was the difference. That was the difference. Um, as I watched him, as I was watching the film and as I was watching him play, I was saying to myself, okay, this is the film that Zach Wilson needs to watch. Remember how I talked about going to watching Drew Brees and seeing what mm-hmm. he, how he does. I think he can watch those things, but go back and watch the guy that's right now currently playing in the spot that you had before this week coming in. And that's how it was done at the quarterback spot. His footwork was precise. It worked right. I mean, every, the timing 
I think that's the biggest thing that I see is the timing. Uh, he wasn't late to his check downs. You can see him just getting to the reads. Um, yeah, and, and, and hey, let's give the offensive line some credit. I was worried coming into this game. Absolutely, 100%. I was worried, yeah. I was worried coming into this game to give up one sack for seven yards. Um, that's a phenomenal job by the offensive line. I think LaFleur did a good job of calling the plays. Also, when you think about the, the from the simple fact that guys were just wide the hell open. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Chicago came into the game banged up. They were banged up throughout the game. Yeah, that's all fine and well. But at the end of the day, regardless of what the situation was, the Jets offense went out there and performed. The defense did what it's been doing all year long. But this offense under Mike White, it 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 looked good. And for me, it was all about his footwork. That's where it starts for me. Yeah, I agree. 110%. It was night and day, the ability for Mike White to navigate the pocket. And absolutely, the pass protection was a lot better than it has been. I think we need to be very clear about this, that it could have been a very different game if that was Mike White starting against Denver, where Zach Wilson was having free rushers come out of space basically every other play. There is a difference in the level of blocking that Mike White was getting. That said, there was still a handful of plays where he was getting pressured and the pocket was collapsing around him, where he either slides out of the way, keeps his eyes downfield, finds a throwing lane, doesn't mind that pressure is coming, still steps into the throw and keeps his mechanics clean. And the couple that really stand out in my in my head, most importantly, Lamont, we say this all the time on this show, his ability on third down was clutch. And there's absolutely something to that. He threw through two of his three touchdowns on third down. He had a play like you're saying where he's quick to get to his check down where he's third down and short. He's got Ty Johnson to his left as a little flare as a check down, and he's getting pressure up the middle. He's trying to hit CJ Uzama, who's going over the middle on one of their little tight end glance routes that they run after play action, and it's not there. It's not open. So at all in the same time, in one fluid motion, White just slides to his left, avoids the pressure coming at him, flips the ball off to Ty Johnson perfectly in time, turns and runs, and it's a gain of 16 on third and two. You mm -hmm. get into another situation where it's a, a third and six, and Jets are running one of their levels concepts to, you know, one side of the field to the boundary. And they got Garrett Wilson and Denzel Mims as kind of the shorter uh, in intermediate uh, dig routes going to the side towards the left. And then you got Elijah Moore, who's running basically a deep corner route behind them. And Mike White stands in the pocket, looks downfield, sees he's got Elijah Moore in front of the safety with room to throw, waits in the pocket, shuffles out to his left, keeps his mechanics clean, keeps his feet calm. And this was maybe the most impressive thing for me. For a guy that's not going to get lauded for his arm talent or his ability to make plays off the move or on schedule, he makes this perfect throw to Elijah Moore like 25 yards downfield, and he doesn't get his legs into it at all. Mm -hmm. He's he's completely shuffling. He doesn't plant or whatsoever. It's really an all-arm throw, and his ability to twist his hips and get enough rotation and velocity to get the ball downfield, and it was an absolutely perfect throw. And it's a throw that if we had Zach Wilson make, it reminds me of a, the throw he made as a rookie. I believe it was against the Titans to Jameson Crowder in the red zone where he's rolling to his left off a of play action and he's able to float the ball downfield and Crowder catches it and it's about the five yard line. We all were, you know, lauding Zach for going, oh, look at this kid. We drafted second overall and his arm talent and his ability to make a playoff schedule. Well, Mike White did the same thing and it was a touchdown pass. And I think we need to give him credit in the same sort of vein. When I first got done watching this game live, I thought this was more so an offensive improvement, more so than it was Mike White improving the offense. When I went back and watched the film again last night and this morning, I changed my tune. Mike White did a lot to make this offense go, and I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that. He had another play 
on Elijah Moore's deep uh, 42-yard play in the second quarter, I believe it was, where they get down into the red zone. That's an absolutely thread-the-bullet throw, thread-the-needle mm-hmm. throw between the line, uh, the corner and trail coverage on Elijah Moore on the in route and the safety coming to to break it up. You could not place it any better. And he's getting pressured in the pocket. The pocket's collapsing around him. He keeps his eyes downfield. He doesn't let his mechanics mess up. Stands tall in the pocket, regardless of whether he's going to get hit or not. And he delivers the ball to Elijah Moore that goes for 40-plus yards. That's the the type of play and the skill of quarterbacking that Zach Wilson has not even come close to performing yet. And it's it, Mike White deserves a lot of credit for his level of play because he was he was awesome. I, I don't want to sit here and go, oh, my God, he was amazing. It's the best game of quarterbacking I've ever seen. And Mike White's going to be, you know, an elite quarterback by next year or anything ridiculous like that. But that was a really, really awesome game for Mike White. And he deserves credit for it. He does deserve it. He should get it. I mean, he was 22 for 28, for 315 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. That's a hell of a job. And also and we talked about I think I, I brought this up on the last show. Um, where we talked about the height. I can't remember if it was the last show or or another show, but I think that you're seeing the difference in the height of the two quarterbacks play. They it plays a role. Mike White threw a ball like a quarterback who's six five. He who could see over top of everything, and and was just there. Zach Wilson, I think some of the issues that he may have been having is maybe he's just not seeing it clear enough. At the end of the day. Mike White went out there and played like a guy that said, either Jets, you all are going to play me or I'm going to put myself in position to be in a pool where I can become a starting quarterback for another team because that's exactly what you want to see your quarterback come in and do, especially a quarterback that was competing for the starting job at the beginning of the season. I'm sorry, when Zach got hurt. <clears throat> so Zach, uh, Mike White, I think he deserves most of the credit. He really does. And if you look at the players around him, as I watched the game offensively, especially that first drive, this was the first game that those guys looked like they were having fun. In a while. Yes. And and I mean, granted, when you throw for 315 yards, you complete passes to 10 different. They had 460 plus yards of total offense. Yes. And completed passes to 10 different receivers. The way the offense looked Sunday, that's the way that I think that you and I both thought that this offense would look, which is why we made some of the predictions that we made. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great job all the way across the board, and Mike White definitely deserves all the credit in the world for it. And and it's a great teaching tool, <clears throat> not just for Zach Wilson, but it's a teaching tool for, for any young players that's out there. Zach Wilson has all of the talent in the world. I don't think that there is an NFL throw that he cannot make. But he's sitting on the bench right now because he struggles with some basic fundamental things. Mike White comes in, not as naturally talented, not as naturally gifted, but comes in and does the basic fundamentals. One of the top two or three things that you ask your quarterback to do is A, get, get the snap, read the defense. And complete the passes when they need to be completed. And and listen, White did a phenomenal job. And if you're a Jets fan and if you're a player in that locker room, you're really excited about what took place. You all wanted the quarterback out. You wanted another quarterback in. And the team went out there and played for Mike White. I'm going to say offense because defense has been playing this way all year long. But I really think that that offense, when I look at how hard the offensive line fought, and when you have a young offensive line, 
Okay, the thing that helps you out a lot is a quarterback that has the ab uh, the ability to move in a pocket. And you talked about it on that one play. A lot of those plays, if Zach Wilson is in there, I don't think mm -hmm. that the throw I don't think that they get made. I think he scrambles, he runs out the back of the pocket. You saw the difference between a talented quarterback in Zach Wilson and a polished quarterback in Mike White. Yeah, there's absolutely a difference between the physical nature of throwing a football and being a quarterback and the skill required in playing in the position. And that's, you know, there's a level of that with every position in football and no single position is only a physical game. Some are more physically demanding than others, sure. And you can get away with just natural gifts, you know, in some cases better than others, but quarterback is not one of those. And you absolutely, it doesn't matter how much talent you have, if you don't have the work ethic and the desire and the knowledge and the understanding to accept coaching, get the right coaching to start with. And quite really, it's it's hard to teach, but have that ability to handle pressure. Well, if you, you're going to get pressured as an NFL quarterback, whether you get hit, whether you get sacked, whether you actually go down, whether the ball gets tipped and it's popped into the air and intercepted, none of that is irrelevant. At the very least, you are going to see pressure. The defensive lines are too talented and too good across the whole league. There's a drought of good offensive linemen in the NFL right now. And there has been for a long time. In this league right now, you have to be able to handle yourself under pressure. And I mm -hmm. think Mike White did a very, very good job of that. And that ability to stay calm, let everyone else operate without having to worry about having things off time or having to adjust to awkward passes or just let everyone else play the way they're supposed to play and keep things on schedule under pressure is the difference between the Jets putting up 460 yards of offense or the Jets putting up 300 yards of offense. Mm -hmm. And it's it's absolutely credit to Mike White. The whole team played well, and it's absolutely true that they played a lesser opponent. But like I said at the start, this is what you should expect from them now. They're playing a lesser opponent. The lesser opponent's already injured. They're at home. They have a quarterback that they think is more effective. They're the healthiest they've been on offense in a long time, and they got some new explosive players at running back that I think we'll get into next that were doing some damage themselves. This is how it should have looked. It should be a three-touchdown victory, and it was. And, and that's a credit to Robert Sala after a week full of drama and questions to get everyone in the building, get their heads right, get everyone focused, and a credit to Mike White leading the team as the starting quarterback all week to to keep everyone focused. And, uh, you know, I don't think they come out looking like this without a, a great week of practice. And the fact that every single one of the players said that after the game, it, it's a credit to the operation that they ran this week. I will say this. When it comes to whether it was Zach Wilson or LaFleur, one nothing LaFleur. <laughs> That's right. Because what I saw, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Drew. It looked to me as if they were pretty much running the same offense they've been running all year. Oh, it looked ex yeah, it looked exactly the same. It, no, that wasn't that wasn't new plays. I was plenty of times. The very first throw of the game, Lamont. The very mm. first throw of the game. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I forgot this until now. Mike White throws a slant. I believe it was to Garrett Wilson yep. for the first pass of the game, and it was like a seven yard play on a second down that got a first down. You know what play that was? That was their slant flat concept with the running back flat and the slant from the isolated uh, receiver that it's, I believe, the X receiver to the right. That's the play that Zach Wilson threw an interception on in the preseason. Mm -hmm. That's the same play that when he came back against Pittsburgh, 
where he looked that uh, read off to the slant and threw to the flat to Carter, and it ended up being like a short gain where it could have been more if he would have came off that same play. And it's one of their plays that they run at the early, at the beginning of games all the time. And it was the very first pass play of the game. It's the same system. This was not Mike LaFleur inventing a bunch of new crazy plays and uh, pass designs for Mike White to go out and execute to make him look a lot better. Mike White just executed the system better. That's what it looked like. And I just want, cause I'm, I just wanted to make sure. No, I completely I'm, agree. As I'm watching things unfold, I'm seeing the same stuff that I didn't like. And, and twice they did it where we had either Elijah Moore or Wilson doing that damn, that daggone. Yeah, they finally screen. threw the orbit screen and it went for a loss of three. Exactly. But it's one of those things where I'm just like, stop doing it. Now, if you go back and watch the game, when they did that and that motion guy was a running back, it produced, it produced yards. I'd rather have my running back doing all that motion in. Agree and and down to him and let my wideouts get down the field because by my wideouts getting down the field, that's going to get the the coverage to drop a lot deeper and now I can hit the check down with my yep. with, with with my running. I mean, think about it from this standpoint. Excuse me, you're a defensive coordinator. You're coming into the game as you're preparing your defense for the offense. Who are you going to pay more attention to? The running back who's in the backfield motioning and then he does a swing route and check down. Are you going to have your defender come press the running back or are you going to have your defender to eye Garrett Wilson, who's down the field running routes? You're going to have your linebacker defending Garrett Wilson. Whereas, you know, if you put him in reverse and you have Garrett Wilson running that route, running that little swing route, now you're taking away your other wide out because you're hoping that you check the ball down to a person who's not used to basically running the ball in traffic. By the running back being that guy that's a check down, he makes one guy miss. Now he's just a running back in space. So I like that little twist. I, I, I like the fact that, not even a little twist because they've done it before, but I like the fact that they did it. And it's something that I think that that Bam Knight uh, – um, by him coming in and doing what he was able to do, it, it it allowed the offense to continue to flow more. This offense, this past week against Chicago, this is what we thought that this offense would be. And, and you know, we were talking briefly before the show about the possibility of Mosley slowing down. Having an offense that's doing what our offense did this past weekend, it allows those veteran guys, it, guys, it allows guys who are nicked up to get rest throughout the course of the game. Think about how many three and outs, how many five or six and outs that we've had turnovers, yes. defense, long drive and get a stop, offense come on the field, turn the ball over or three and out. They're right back out there on the field. And I'm telling you as a player, that's a long ass day. Yeah. But yeah, now it absolutely is. But now that you have an offense that can drive the ball down the field that can put up some points now as a defensive coordinator. Now you may feel a little more comfortable giving the guy a, a, a series off to put the backup in because the offense is moving the ball. You don't feel this need to have to keep your starters out there the entire time. And so I'm just hoping that we can continue to build off of this week. I mean, think about this. They were the, the Jets were seven for 12 on third down. Seven for 12 on third down. And I'm putting, I, I'm just going to say this. If you're telling me that LaFleur called the same offense, then I'm saying that majority of this victory had everything to do with Mike White. 
Yeah, it looked that way to me. It, it absolutely looked that way to me. I didn't see anything that was an outright new wrinkle to where I said, oh, that's, you know, a, a nifty play. They should try and do that more or, or anything like that. I thought their new wrinkles were some of their worst plays. I thought they're <laughs> quite honestly, I, I thought the, the couple of new variations to things that they tried, I thought didn't work. They had uh, uh, just like you're talking about, they did that little orbit with a running back and they faked it on a third down and it was a tunnel screen to Braxton Berrios the other way. And I'm sitting here in my head going, you finally call a tunnel screen and it's the worst designed tunnel screen I've ever seen in my life. And it, where you have, you're trying to flow the defense away from where the tunnel is going. And all you're doing is just moving linebackers into the passing lanes. And I, I didn't understand that the best plays that they had were some of their best plays. Garrett Wilson's big touchdown that, you know, where he ran across the middle of the field. It's just a levels concept off play action. The jets have done that since last year. And all they have is Garrett Wilson getting open over the middle on a dig route. Mike White puts the ball right over the linebackers outstretched hands where I'm watching live. And I went, Ooh, you know, that's a ball that kind of should have been accept, uh, intercepted. And I go back and I watch and I go, well, you know what? That linebacker is literally jumping as high as he possibly can. And he's, <laughs> and he's skying with his arms completely stretched up at the apex of his jump. And it barely goes through his hands and it still looked like it was a little too high. Uh, Mike White put it, it puts enough air under the ball. It wasn't like he threw it right at this linebacker. He tried to get it over him, and he did. Garrett's able to catch the ball in stride, make a cut, because Eddie Jackson, unfortunately and painfully, looked like he tore his Achilles trying to plant and come back on that play, and he's just lying there holding his ankle, which was very sad to see. But Garrett Wilson's able to get wide open. It wasn't any sort of new plays. And this is where I want to transition to next, that Mike White was absolutely, I think, the main reason for this offensive explosion. After that, I think the credit goes to the offensive line because mm -hmm. I thought there was excellent pass protection for most of the day, and Mike White still had the ability to shuffle and maneuver in the pocket. But like I said earlier, if it was just a bunch of free rushers coming at him, it would have been a lot harder. They deserve some credit for resetting themselves after some shaky times in pass protection in the last couple of games. After that, Lamont, and this is where I've been waiting to talk to you, we got to talk about these running backs. And specifically, we need to talk about Ty Johnson and Bam Knight. Holy crap. For two guys that haven't gotten much attention throughout most of the year, what a game from the two of them combined. Let me get the exact numbers here because it's pretty amazing. Combined between the two of them, they had 139 yards on 19 carries, 131 yards on 19 carries on averaged almost seven yards a carry total. They had a touchdown from Ty Johnson. Bam Knight had over 100 yards from scrimmage in his first NFL game. Ty Johnson added a 16-yard catch on top of his 62 rushing yards, got over close to 90 yards from scrimmage himself had an absolutely excellent touchdown run at the end of the game. That's one of the better runs I've seen from any Jets player this year on an outside zone to the left where it's decently blocked up front. He's able to break a tackle as he's going through the hole, and he does this little reset stutter step where he splits his hips, and instead of continuing to press to the outside, he gets right upfield, runs right past the safety that's trying to come and grab him, gets back to the outside and stiff arms a player trying to tackle him and finishes and gets into the end zone. These two guys had an excellent game. I know we're big. You're a big Ty Johnson fan. You're, you know, fellow Terp of Maryland uh, there with that connection. I've been up and down with him, but I got to be honest, Lamont. I've thought this for a little bit for a while. I've just been a little nervous to say it. And this game, I'm not nervous anymore. Ty Johnson's been a lot better this year. He's been a hell of a lot better this year. He's explosive. His vision, I think, is very solid. He breaks tackles. He runs so hard. For a guy that gets credited as a scat back and a receiver and, and in a third down, you know, change of pace, speedy guy, 
he has no fear whatsoever. I, I think every single time I see him touch the ball, he finishes by putting his shoulder into somebody. He does not go down easy. And that is an attitude thing with him more than anything else. I was so impressed by Ty Johnson in this game. And I really think that he can continue to be an asset on this team, especially with the absence of Brees Hall, where the mm. Jets were really lacking an element of explosiveness in their backfield. There's a reason that Robert Sala made the decision to activate Bam Knight, make James Robinson a healthy scratch, and let these two guys really spell Carter. And after Carter got hurt, the two of them really carried the whole offense. They have the burst and the explosiveness to take advantage of the lanes that aren't there very long. And that's what Brees Hall was able to do so well. And I think what Michael Carter and James Robinson have really struggled with over the last couple of games, I, I was very, very impressed with both of them. Ty Johnson was, I, I couldn't wait to talk to you about him because I know that we've had, we've been speaking on him for a while on this show. And I'm, this might've been the best game I've seen him play as a jet. This was definitely the best game for him as a pro. Um, and for me, all the way around, even pick, picking up blitzing backwards. I remember on one of those plays, linebacker was coming. He went and he chopped him. That's was huge. that him? I thought that was Carter. No, that was uh, Ty. Ty came and chopped him. Oh, my him. God. That was Ty? Yeah, Ty came and chopped I know, him. On a third down, yeah, they sent the blitz off the edge. and he Yeah, it, yeah and it was the slide to the left, and the running back came from the other side. Chop. Wow, I thought that was Carter. Yeah, Dang, that, Ty made that play too. He was even better than I thought. <laughs> yeah. So Ty went, um, chopped him down. I am so happy for this kid, man. I'm just telling you, uh, just for people who don't know. Um, so when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, I was actually doing that time. I was going up to the University of Maryland. You know, I offered my help. And Ty Johnson and Jake Funk were the two guys that consistently showed up. I showed them how to watch film, things to look for. And in the process of watching film, I go to the next play. And then there's this thing up there saying, uh, I forgot, I'm paraphrasing here, but they talked about, hey, welcome Lamont Jordan to the Hall of Fame. Ty and Jake, they knew about it. They knew before I came up there what was going on. And to see Ty's progression from being a guy in college that didn't know how to really lower his shoulder and do it with the boom to see him lower the boom on people. It every was every time he touches the ball, every single time. And there was one play in particular that had me jump up off that had me jump up out my seat, man, where he, I think it was, I, I believe it was a pass. He was going down the sideline and instead yep. of running out of bounds, he just lowers the boom on him. That's the third down there. from Mike White, where he shovels yes. in the pocket, flips it to him in the flat and gets 16 yards up the sideline yes. and puts a corner on his back. And then looked at him on the sideline. I'm sitting uh -huh. up there, that's my turk. That is my turk. That's a great job by, by Ty. And, and, you know, earlier in the season, when we first started talking, we spent a lot of time talking about Brees Hall and we spent a lot of time talking about Carter and, and we, we, we brought up Ty because of the things that he's able to do. If Ty can continue to run the ball, the way he's running the ball, he now becomes another, he becomes the physical presence on the offensive side of the ball. And not only that, if you look at the three running backs that we have healthy right now, if you look at Ty, you look at Carter and you look at Bam. Well, Carter's not healthy. He had a low ankle sprain. He might, they're waiting to find more. He's probably going to miss at least this week. 
They don't know how much longer Robinson is healthy. They just had him deactivated. Although I think he's quote unquote healthy and he's still recovering from whatever knee problem he had. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know what the situation is going to be, but I do know that Ty Johnson now becomes your best protecting back. Um, and when I look at Bam, and you brought this up as far as I believe next year, we talked about Hall, Bam, and Ty. Basically saying Carter is going to be the odd man out. I was really impressed by Bam Knight. I think he missed a lot of cuts. Got to go back and watch the All-22, but I do think that he missed a lot of cuts. But the thing that I saw from the backs, the thing that I saw from the running backs that I absolutely love, I can I can live with the missed cuts, especially when you're talking about back by committee, things of that nature. The thing that I loved is that every time the backs got the ball, they did not hesitate. They just hit the hole. And I think that that was something that was missing earlier in the season. I felt like that they were kind of waiting for things to happen. This time, it looked like this week that the backs said, we're not going to think we're going to get the ball. We're going to trust the play design. We're going to tr trust that the offensive line is going to block it up. And they just went downhill. Great job by the running backs. And, and, and when we bring up the offensive line, Drew, how about the confidence? You've had an offensive line that has been struggling all year long. Do you realize early in the first half how many times we lined it up in an empty formation? For me, unheard of. And, and the announcer talked about it uh, at the beginning of the game about how much empty the Jets were running. We called an offense that, to me, as an offensive coordinator, for me, what I saw was, was a guy who was calling an offense that had nothing but confidence in his offensive line. And if you're telling me, that, once again, I'm going back to this, if you're telling me that he's called the same place and it looks that way, then Mike White, definitely opens things up for this entire offense and the job that the backs were able to do with their hard running what it did was it allowed us to get in second and third and manageable and it's critical when you're talking about we're in the month of november okay we're about to be in the month of december with 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 the hopes of making it to the playoffs and once you get into the playoffs i don't care how bad of a team you've been throughout the course of the season i don't care if you're the worst you're, you're the team with the worst playoff record when you get to the playoffs it's all about one game this was by far in my opinion the best game that the jets have played under robert solid we can continue to build off of this momentum get some guys healthy and 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 see how our offense performs next week because we have to remember this this week against mike white they haven't really prepared for Mike White. Maybe you had a little bit of film from him earlier on in the season, but this Mike White, this guy that went out there, he threw the ball with absolute confidence. And yeah. I know that we're talking about the running backs. Um, and, and for me, with the running backs, you know, Bam is going to have, Bam will continue to get better. The more reps he gets, the less holes he's going to miss. So he's going to get better. Ty just continues to get better. We got to hope that Robinson is healthy. Listen, if if we come out here next week and we see that Robinson is gimpy, we need to get another running back in here because what we cannot have is a running back coming into the end of the season hoping that we're going to go into the playoffs with a running back that's gimpy. And, and when healthy is not one of – put it this way, when Robinson is healthy, he is not a top two or top three explosive back on his football team. So if he's not going to be 100% healthy – 
if we're talking about really being serious about making sure that our backfield is locked in and solidified for the remainder of the season, we have to look at some backs that are out there because we're going to need another back if Carr isn't healthy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You said something right there at the end. You said that Robinson wouldn't be top two or three explosive backs. And I think that's the key where where you're talking and you're mentioning the the mentality from Bam Knight and Ty Johnson to get upfield, hit the hole, get downhill, run with authority. We're not going to waste any time. There's absolutely something to that. But I also just think the two of them are just outright more explosive right now. And I'm it, it pains me to say, but Michael Carter said in the offseason, I, I wanted to get one yard faster. I got caught from behind twice and it and it really it, it, it hurt me. It hurt my soul. He doesn't look any more explosive to me. He might look less. And I wish that wasn't the case. He's still just as good at breaking tackles. I think his vision is still plenty as good as it was before. He's still a great receiver, you know, runs, you know, plenty hard himself. But I just am not seeing the burst from him that I had seen as a rookie. And I saw it at a Ty Johnson and Bam Knight yesterday. And that's really the difference where Bam Knight's first NFL touch is just a little dump off into the flat. And he's one-on-one with the linebacker coming in pursuit on the sideline to chase him as he's catching the ball. And he goes from basically standing still as he's catching the ball to accelerating fast enough to outrun this linebacker's pursuit angle. I swear to God, Lamont, in one step. (laughs) In one step. He catches the ball and plants it immediately as like anybody else would have been at step three by the time he's planning and going. And that I did not realize he was that explosive. I did not realize he had that level of burst and speed. I knew he was quick. I knew he was powerful. I knew that he wasn't just, you know, a plotter to where he's not going to be a type of guy that can make plays in this outside zone scheme. I didn't realize he had that level of burst and, and w- his talent, I really think, like we were, you were saying, we were talking before we got on recording here, I think there's a good chance that the running back trio of the future is Brees Hall, Bam Knight, and Ty Johnson. First off, I think Brees Hall and Bam Knight is the perfect duo. I think that is the absolute perfect, perfect duo where both guys are going to be plenty fast and you're going to have a tough time chasing them and keeping up with them for the whole game. But when you have Brees's level of speed and elusiveness and you're trying to be that, you know, chase after that guy for four quarters and you get to the end of the game and you're trying to put the game away. And now you got Bam Knight's physicality without losing that element of, you know, complete lack of burst and speed. That's a really tough duo to defend in my eyes. And I think that that is going to be a dangerous, dangerous tandem in the future. And Ty Johnson's the perfect guy as the number three in that set where he's got plenty of explosiveness and speed like Brees Hall and he'll put his dang shoulder down and run through people to finish runs like Bam Knight too, and he can kind of fill in for either of them. I'm really excited to see what we get out of these guys. Last point I'm going to make on the offense overall, I already talked about the offensive line. I thought this was a great job from them. I thought they did a good job in the run game as well. But the overall experience, like we keep going back to, was Mike White. And the way they played on their very first drive, where Mike White comes out throwing, he's five for five with a touchdown pass. I think he had like... 60-something yards on the first drive, and absolutely carved up the Bears' defense, went right down the field and scored like it was no problem. From then on out, the Bears went, oh, crap, we actually have to defend the pass. And it opened up the run game. They weren't loading the box like we saw New England do the week before, where they got nine players, you know, between the the hash marks, let alone at the like in the box. It's a huge dis- uh, difference in how they were covered as a team 
and Mike White being a threatening enough quarterback to make those explosive elements function. Like we said, Lamont, for so long, we were talking about Zach Wilson last week, having all of this speed and talent on offense that's going to threaten teams vertically is great. But if those teams aren't actually worried about you getting them the ball in the first place, then they're not going to be worried about getting burned. Mm-hmm. And if you can't trust a quarterback in Zach Wilson to actually make the throws downfield, then who cares if you take risks, leaving Garrett Wilson one-on-one with no safety help because mm-hmm. Wilson's not going to see it and make the throw anyway. So when you're playing Mike White, you have to do that. And it's, it's the whole flipping the change of the offense that, that really it starts and ends with him. And he deserves the credit for that. I want to get into the defense before we spend too long talking about the offense, because I think this is, a good game from them overall, and they deserve credit for it. But I think there were some signs of some possible cracks that have me a little bit worried. And I think we should start with the cracks first before we get into the positives. First things first, we were talking about this off air as well. We're getting worried that CJ Mosley might be hitting the age wall again. Mm-hmm. And there was a rough play from him earlier in the game on a third down and pass coverage on a running back where he's in bad position because he's sitting with inside leverage on an option route and the running back decides to go outside instead of inside. So Mosley's already playing catch up, but it looked like such a labor and such a, a tough task for Mosley to charge out to the outside and stick his foot in the ground and explode. And the complete opposite of what we're just talking about with a guy like Bam Knight, where it, it looks like he he literally hits a button and gets a speed boost. CJ Mosley, on the other hand, is putting his feet in the ground and running as hard as he can to barely go anywhere. And running backs able to catch this ball and get to the outside and turn it into a big game. On top of that, there was a ton of missed tackles in this game. David Montgomery was looking like Marshawn Lynch at running through the Jets defense with ease, breaking tackles, uh, brushing off shoulder attempts from the Jets secondary. Those are two areas where we really got to worry for the rest of the year. The positive to the Jets defense is that they've been healthy and they've been effective all season. We got to really hope that continues because if this offense is going to be asked to carry everything, we got to hope that they're talented enough to do that. Hopefully after last week, there's a little more hope in that, but it's still no guarantee. They're going to need this defense to perform if they want to keep things good for the future. On the positive side, they basically gave up no points for three quarters. And the Bears scored, they got a field goal on their first drive, they got a touchdown on their second drive right at the end of the first quarter, uh, or right at the start of the second quarter, and from about 14 minutes and 39 seconds left in the second quarter to the end of the game, the Jets defense didn't allow another point. That's a good outing. That's overall a good outing, but like we're talking about to start the show, Lamont, when you have a team that's much less talented than you, that's missing their starting quarterback X-factor weapon running the ball that's been the key to their offense the last couple of weeks with an offensive line that's banged up with receiving core that's being broken in with a new guy in Chase Claypool that was traded for and you've their best receiver in Darnell Mooney go down throughout the game and now he's out for the season. This is a game you would expect the defense to dominate. And for the most part, they did, but there was a couple of cracks in the armor you would hope that they can get cleaned up soon. Yeah, and, and and I think that a lot of that started with the missed tackles. I think offensively, yeah. the, the Bears, the only thing the Bears had going for them was Montgomery. Um, I also got to I, I got to give some credit to their offensive coordinator also because I feel like both coordinators came out with the same game plan. Um, coming into this game, defensively, the Jets and the Bears were ranked pretty much even across the board. One was nine and one was 10 versus Russian. One, you know, for the most part, we were even coming across the board. Um, I, I think their offensive coordinator called a game, a passing game, 
anticipating that our rush is going to get there. And if you notice, when they were able to drive down the field, it was kind of like Mike White's drive. It was catch the ball, take a, take a step, throw, catch, deliver, catch, deliver. And that's the success. That was the type of success that they were having. And they checked the ball down to the back a lot. Um, those are things that we're really going to have to, to, to get fixed on the defense as we move forward. Um, with that said, the missed tackles is the thing that I that I believe. If you take away the missed tackles, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that the Bears score a touchdown. Oh, no. I'm not sure they get a field goal without the missed tackles. Yeah, it's it's two things. It's the missed tackles, and and I'm glad that it didn't come back to bite us, but the two things that I saw that we have to get fixed, and one of them I've been talking about all season long, the first one is the tackling, because I think tackling was an issue for us last year, and I'm starting to see that thing poke his ugly head out. We do a great job of getting to the ball, but we have to wrap up. And and when you're facing a big back like Derek Montgomery, and it's crazy as I was watching the missed tackles, it reminded me of times that I was playing where as a back, I know that I'm getting to the defense when I constantly hear the defense telling each other, hey, we have to wrap him up. We have to wrap him up. Mm-hmm. if you're not going to wrap guys up that's how you're going to get missed tackles and so i'm glad that it happened at the point that it happened where you're talking about we're playing against a team that we should beat you you spoke about the injuries that they have the fact that listen it's the bears there's just not a good team in the first place um we have to get the tackling taken care of and i'm just telling you I, you know, I, I know everybody loves this guy, but he has to work on his ball skills. And I'm telling you, it's sauce. It's sauce. Yeah. That pass interference down the sideline of Chase Claypool, if we're in a closer game, that could possibly cost us the game. Now, I know that because he's been able to make some plays, all, you know, throughout the course of the season, I've been talking about it all season long. If he does not work on his technique and get better with his technique, he's going to get some pass interference calls that's going to cost us the game. And he has to do it. And I'm going to be hard on him because it comes down to ball skills. And I can't stand this, Drew. I can't stand this. And I've been watching these youth coaches coach this up. And I've been watching these high school coaches coach this up. That they actually coach players to do what Sauce is doing. Don't turn back and look for the ball. Look at the man and then put your hand up. I, yeah. I, I it's disgusting. And these kids are being taught that in youth ball. I've watched youth coaches do it. I've watched high school coaches do it. Sauce is a good enough player that he should be playing the ball. That Chase Claypool interception, I think Claypool had a nice catch over top. Matter of fact, it was on the it was on the pass interference. Yep. Sauce, for the most part, is always there. It's not often that he, he likes just get blatantly destroyed and beat. If he just turns around and plays the ball, I think Sauce would have more interceptions. I don't like that technique that he's playing. He's getting away. He's getting away with it now. But I'm just telling you, if he does not get it fixed, we're going to be left clutching our chest at the end of the season because we lost the game because a team decided that when we go with a single high safety, they're going to take a they're going to take a shot with their best player against Sauce. And Sauce is going to wind up getting an interception. He just the same way we talk about Zach Wilson. And we talk about Mike White, where it comes down to just some very basic technical and fundamental things. It's the same thing for Sauce. All right. He has to get that fixed. Those are the two biggest things that I see tackling and Sauce has to get that has to get that fixed. And I'm hard on him because it's something that's important. 
and I'm hard on him because if he just plays the ball, he would have more interceptions. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. No, you're you're a million trillion billion percent right. I want to be very clear for anyone listening, because I know I've seen some people uh, online over the last you know 24 hours since the game mentioning that that was a penalty called on sauce for defensive pass interference, but maybe it should have been offensive pass interference because Claypool's pulling him down as they're falling. First off, I didn't even think that argument's true. I think sauce is off balance because he's doing exactly what you're saying, Lamont, and he's face guarding and he's not trying to play the ball. He's just playing Claypool's eyes and waiting for him to put his hands up and try and get his hands in between and go, well, he's only going to try and put his hands or the ball's coming. So I'll just watch those. Uh, it's, you're right. You're 100% right. He wouldn't be facing the wrong direction and off balance and in a position where he has to stumble and recover and hook and grab to where he's basically tackling Claypool as he's trying to make the catch and Claypool makes the catch anyway. If he just turns his head around, he picks the ball off. Like It's that simple. He's in good position, exactly what you're talking about. He doesn't rarely get beat. He's got good speed. He knows how to recover. And most importantly, he's got the some of the longest arms you're ever going to see out of a cornerback ever. And so even if he is beat by half a step where most other guys would have no chance, he can just stick his arm out there and swat the ball away and get a hand on it anyway. And if he just looks and locates the ball, not only is he going to get more interceptions, he's going to get more deflections, period. And it's going to put more fear in teams from testing him deep because as good as he's played this year, that's basically the only route teams try on him is just the deep shot at the sideline because they know they might get a pass interference call. And if mm -hmm. he's just turning his head and playing the ball, he's never going to get called for pass interference. He's never going to get called. If he's turning his head and playing the ball and there's contact, they're going to call Claypool for offensive interference every time. Like mm -hmm. that's it's, it's better for the refs. It's better for Gardner statistics. It's better for coverage. It's better for field position. It's better for avoiding giving, giving free plays down the field and having explosive plays generated off penalties where it's so backbreaking in the NFL, where pass interference is a spot foul. You can get more yards on pass interference than any other penalty in, in the sport. And mm -hmm. so if you risk those opportunities, it can be absolutely backbreaking. I completely agree. I don't want to see anyone sitting here and making any arguments about Claypool and saying, oh, he was pulling Sauce down and, you know, it should have been a call the other way. BS, I don't want to hear it. Sauce needs to get better with his technique, and we are hard on him because he's the fourth pick in the draft and he has the potential to be the best corner in the league, period. There's a high standard for him, and I'm sure that Sauce Gardner would want nothing more than for himself to be held to that same very high standard. I agree, whether it's the Jets coaches, whether it's Ulbrich, whether it's their DB coach, Tony Oden, whoever it is, whether it's Salah, they got to adjust that in his technique and teach him to turn his head and play the ball in the air because it's going to be better a better situation for everybody. Yeah, I just, I'm with you. I'm with you. We We, we are... We are in agreement on, on all of this. The other thing that I wanted to just hit on, which we always talk about special teams in some way. Um, the back, Speak the on it. Greg Frickin' Zerline. Yeah, oh, I was going to get to him. Okay, good, because if you weren't, I was. Oh, yeah, Braxton Berrios, he had a punt return. And, and on this show, we always talk about field position and how important it is because our special teams has won us some games just with our punter alone. We talk about Braxton Berrios. He had a decent punt return. I think it was maybe about a 20-yard punt return. That was like 22 yards, yeah. Yeah, 22 yards that helped shift field position. And in a game where you're trying to close a team out, a play as simple as that can ignite you and put you in a position that you can shut a team out. Now, with that said, 
we always talk about some form of a kicker, whether it's man or man. Only thing I can say is Greg Zerline, hell of a job, man. That dude is 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 he's a weapon. I mean, fifty-seven yards, and if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I uh, heard the commentator talking about it on TV where I think it was either earlier in the season or in this game, where something about they call him Legatron, give him a try. Yeah, you know, well, Legatron they, from when Zerline was with the Rams in okay. the early part of his career, he earned that nickname when he was with the Rams. So he's had that nickname through most of his career because of his ability to kick from such a distance and make plays as a field goal kicker that not many other guys with legs that aren't as strong could make. He hit a 57 yard field goal in the pouring rain. And it was good by 10 plus yards <laughs> at the end of the half. That's it, it, for, for the people that don't realize the level of difficulty relative to position, that would be like a, a 45 yard hole shot from Mike White down the sideline for a touchdown where he drops it perfectly in the bucket between the corner and the safety. And it's an absolutely astounding, perfect throw. And the guy's barely open, but Mike fits it through the needle. That's the kicker equivalent of what we just saw. Like that's a, like a seven ten split as a bowler. But if you're kicking a football, it was amazing. I was sitting there watching the game live going, I don't like this decision. Go for it on fourth down. You're trying to be aggressive. It's 57 yards. It's raining. Are you really expecting Zerline to hit this? Well, I was wrong. I guess they were because he proved me right up and shut me right up and drilled that thing. That was incredible. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, Greg Zerline, man, is once again, that's just another weapon that we have. And I was impressed. I mean, I was so impressed when they showed the slow-mo. I started thinking, I was like, man, I wonder if because it's raining, maybe the ball is heavier and all. I started going through all of these different scenarios because when I saw, first of all, the way he hit it, I thought it was about to get blocked. And then to see that it was a line drive, it was practically right down the middle. And to see just to see how much space he had as a coach, as a player, as a fan, you got to start thinking to yourself, that just shortened the field for us. Having a kicker that can that can just that having a kicker that can consistently make 55 yard field goals, a Justin Tucker, you know, having a zero line. Um, when you have guys like that, those guys are weapons, man. They are huge weapons because you're talking about shortening the field and consistently being able to get points on the scoreboard. I said it earlier in the show, this was the first game that I felt like the Jets looked like they were having fun. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, you can see where going to Mike White, what the offense did on that first drive, um, you can really see how much it ignited the team. And there was one last thing that I want to talk about from this game, because I really do think that this was this was a huge this was a huge part in why the outcome of the game was what it was. I think when it started raining and it came down hard, I think that we handled the conditions better than Chicago. Yeah, for the most part, there was the one issue on special teams with the field goal attempts where man uh, was hold the holder and uh, the slipped with the ball when he was catching the hold. And it ended up being a, a turnover where he was able to attempt to pass that didn't make it as bad, but still ended up being an issue outside of that. I agree. And I think most importantly, when you get a game like that, it becomes who's tougher, who's nastier. That's, you know, that's when it's football weather. That's when your run game has to come alive and for the the bears it was like david montgomery was ready to play i don't think anybody anybody else on the team was the whole jets offense was ready to go 
and, and the offensive line was getting into gear. The running backs were running hard. The receivers were getting open with their routes and, and being explosive, which put fear into the secondary. And, and after that, you just saw the run game take over. This was really the thing for me. You had mentioned about making plays to finish games earlier when you were talking, and it reminded me about a play from Todd Johnson. Todd Johnson had a run on third and 13 that got a first down that iced the game on like their last drive. Yep. The jets are backed up in their own end zone and it's third and 13 and they call a run to Ty Johnson and he picks up 15 yards and he finishes it exactly like we're talking about by putting his shoulder down right at the first down marker and falling forward for an extra couple. Those are the type of plays that is a team that's more equipped, better coached, more talented, doing what they're expected to do. And I think that's the the main takeaway from this game overall is that this is how at this point in the year with what we expect of this team, with the talent that we know that they have, regardless of the, the players that they've lost to this point through injuries, this is what you should expect out of them, especially if Mike White is the quarterback. And that's exactly what we saw. Yeah. Yeah. And we see the depth. We see the depth on the defensive side of the ball also. Um, I got, got a chance to see our, our guy, JJ getting some reps um, for the life of me. I can't understand, understand why this guy's name keeps skipping me. Number nine, outside linebacker. Juan Alexander. Juan Alexander. Oh, my gosh. They ran a tall sweep to the left side one time. And number 70, the offensive line for the Chicago Bears was pulling. And, oh, my goodness, Quan Alexander just came up and absolutely just defeated this dude. He defeated him. And I'm bringing that name up because – and I know that you're a fan of Sherwood. It's not just Mosley that I see slowing down. I think that Williams on a couple of plays because these are two thumpers, and the reality of a thumper, and I'm, I'm, I'm I can speak on this because that's what I was as a running back, is if you're constantly hitting, 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 eventually that does take a toll on your body. Playing in the rain and the cold, that eventually does take a, a toll on your body. Watching him come up and just lay the lumber to that offensive tackle for teams who like to run tall sweep and who like to run outside stuff that just sent a message to any offensive lineman that may have to pull and block him. People do not understand that when you see a linebacker on a toss or any type of pull and play, come up and blow up an offensive lineman, whoever is playing them that following week, they see that who was ever playing them the week after that, they see that. He just sent the message. The thing that separates our Jets linebacker core from most of the linebacker cores, and I'm not even just going to say linebacker cores. I'm going to say the thing that separates the Jets defense from, I'm going to say probably 29 other teams in the National Football League, is that when it comes to just a physical nature, just being physical, downright angry and nasty, Maybe there's one or two other defenses that when you watch them play all the way across the board, they play as fast and they hit as hard as the New York Jets. That is the Jets' identity. And I think that we have to be in a position where we can start using some of our backups because, like you said, mostly we went through this last year. We can't afford to have that this year. The good part about what we've done in the front office is I think that when you look at the head coach that we have, he's done nothing but a great job of consistently having his football teams ready to play. The way he handled the Zach Wilson situation, it was just, it was awesome. And I got to take my hat off to you because you called it last week. Um, 
we have to get guys like Alexander. We have to get Sherwood. I think it was Huff that got a sack coming off of the yep. edge. And the way that you're going to get to see these guys, and I believe I said it earlier in the show, the offense has a major, major part in this. We play our next opponent next week. If you look up and see that we had 300-something yards rushing, we had 100-something yards. I'm sorry, we had 300-something yards passing. We had 100-something yards rushing. We averaged 4.6 yards rushing. If that's going to be our identity for the remainder of the season, this Jets team is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, they really are. They really are. I, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said earlier. This will be my, my closing statement here. This was the best game I've seen from a Robert Sala team in New York. Start top to bottom. Special teams, offense, defense, collectively everything. Where there was a few miscues on defense. There was a couple of plays by some players on offense that, you know, maybe Bam Knight hits a different hole. Maybe they get some better, better blocking where Taj Johnson doesn't have to break three tackles to score a touchdown. You know, you could nitpick. But for the most part, this was a complete game. And the Jets are going to be a tough team to beat for for anybody that they're going up against if that's the way they can play. The only question for me, and this is where I'll be excited to to look into this next game. I know later in the week when we get recorded, we'll talking about the Vikings coming up. Uh, a very big game against a, a top NFC team and a big challenge for Sauce Gardner with Justin Jefferson. How is this team going to respond when they're playing a team that's uh, – or how is this offense going to respond when they're playing a defense that's more talented and equipped to stop them? When they're not playing the Bears with two secondary – two starters out in their secondary and a third that goes down, you know, at, at, before halftime. How are they going to play when they're playing a defensive line that can generate more than just one sack uh, for a loss of seven yards? If they can go out against the Vikings and replicate what we just saw against Chicago, I don't think Mike White's sitting, seeing the bench the rest of the year. And I think there's a very good chance the Jets will be in the playoffs. Mm. Mm. I'm, listen, I'm with you on it. And I can't wait to do the Vikings show because I've been kind of brainstorming on it. Um, just how I think that this 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 Vikings game is going to go. Um, I think the offense is going to have a major part of it, but I will say this. This week, leading up to this game on Sunday, offensively, it is very simple. I said it in the Patriots game, and I'm going to say it in this game. You better be ready for line stunts, and you better be ready for blitzing. I don't think that the Bears blitzed us a lot this game. I don't remember seeing a whole lot of blitzing in this game. They did one early. And Mike White got the hot read out to Tyler Conklin on first down, and it was second and one. And they barely blitzed the rest of the day. I don't think that that's going to be the case against the Minnesota Vikings. So if you're working on anything as the Jets, um, because right now, if you look coming into this game, yeah, maybe we have Brian Robinson, but here's the reality. You have uh, 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 a free agent rookie who's playing now. Okay. You have... Carter, who's banged up, you have Robinson, who's banged up, and then you have Ty Johnson. Ty right now has, has, has shown that he's the only guy outside of Brees, but I'm talking about guys that's still healthy. Ty is the only guy that's seen, shown that he can consistently pass protect. We have to be ready to handle this pressure. And I'll get more into that when we talk about the show, but if we handle pressure, man, oh, man, oh, man. To find out more about that, be sure to listen in, listen in to the next show because I really think that you're going to love our breakdown of this Minnesota Vikings game. And you're going to be ready and excited to hear our predictions when we talk about our bets for next week. 
Oh yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. I know it's going to be a good one. I'll leave off with the teaser here. This is not going to be an easy game for the New York Jets, but this is absolutely a winnable game for the New York Jets. And there is no reason why they cannot beat a team like the Minnesota Vikings in their own stadium, position themselves with eight wins at eight and four, and set themselves up to go on a run at the end of the year and put themselves in the playoffs. I think they can that the this game last week might have been the start, the get right, the get back on track. And this coming week against the Vikings is going to be the statement that we are on track. We're rolling down the tracks and you're not stopping us now. Get on the train while you still can. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. As always, thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring. You can follow me on Twitter at AndrewGolden underscore 17. You can also follow the show at B-L-E-A-V underscore in underscore Jets. And of course, you can follow Big Dog over there at CoachJordan34. Thank you one more time for tuning in and make sure you stop by later in the week as we break down the Jets versus the Minnesota Vikings. Talk real soon. Bye-bye. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube